there, everybody. You are listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast. My name is Vera. And I'm Liz. And this is where we take a look at comics with female protagonists. And this time we're going a bit off the beaten path. Um, because uh, obviously because of our two different backgrounds, a lot of what we've dealt with has either been stuff sort of aimed at the grade school level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think anything too obscure within that realm, for the most no, part. No, not really. Uh, and then a lot of what I've brought has been more mainstream uh, superhero stuff, mostly. Uh, this one's not really either. I mean, it was published by Dark Horse. Uh, rest in peace, they were bought out recently, which really bums me the heck out. But, um... Who were they bought out by? I forget now. I th- oh, okay. it, it wasn't one of the existing comic publishers, so it's not like it was consolidated, but they were bought out by like a some kind of firm oh, or okay. something. So who knows what'll happen, but I don't have hope. Uh, in any case, this is Kira, Alien Jungle Girl by uh, Rich Woodall and Craig Rousseau. Um... One of whom we actually met, I'm not sure which one it was, because we picked this up at a um, at a con. I think it was one of the Vermont cons. Oh, okay. Wow. When wow. We, <laughs> yeah, we've had this for a while. Uh, we have, and now I'm slowly remembering that. Because we... Pre-pandemic, which always seems like it was decades ago at this point. Well, in this case it was, because like that con stopped happening even before the pandemic. So... This this is like way in the before time, um, but this it, okay. So this has a, a cover of basically what looks like more or less like a feminized version of Tarzan and a sort of uh, bulldog ape looking mm-hmm. thing. That's fair. Uh, so that's Kira and Rolo is her buddy, and. True to its title, it is following her. She uh, was found and then raised by Rolo and Rolo's people. Again, very Mm -hmm. Tarzan-esque. Lives in the jungle. Over the course of the story, though, she and Rolo um, venture to the city. They find out that there's some mysterious goings-on with Kira's own past and history that she's trying to find out. Um danger around every corner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, neither of us like this. No, not really. Um, did we Did we go over who wrote it and all that? Yes. Okay, good. Yes. I was like, um, I don't know why I thought that, forgot that, but I did. The, the scripting, I, I said the names, I didn't say who did what. Uh, okay. Rich Woodall was the scripter, and then Craig uh, Rousseau was the artist, who at a guess, I think, was who we picked this up from, because I think it was in an artist alley. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. So, it, I think he was the one we bought it from. Um, so, if you've been waiting for us to get around to reviewing this, Craig, I'm really sorry. Um, I did kind of like the colors in terms of the artwork. Like, the sort of almost, like, blacklight type feel to the coloring of it. That's actually why I picked it up and was like, let's read this. So, I didn't hate the artwork. Well, the coloring credit would go to Lawrence Basso and Nate Lovett. They did the coloring. Um, but yeah, it does, actually, blacklight's a good way to put it. There, It often has the feeling of an inverted, uh, in terms of the color spectrum, yeah. kind of image. Like, in a way that actually works, because that kind of look can be very off-putting. 
Yeah, so I did like that, and I didn't, I mean, I, the style of the artwork was fine. I didn't love some of the gratuitous, like, shots of her with the scantily clad bikini and all that. As usual, I have notes about that. Of but the artwork not. itself was okay, and the coloring part, like, just the black light feel to it was kind of cool. Um, so that was fine. It was mainly the writing. <laughs> and that's, and that is unfortunately kind of the thing. So like, I don't, actually, I'll ask you this first. Did you have any expectations going into this? Not really. Okay. Did you? Kind of. Oh. <laughs> well, like, it's not necessarily that I expected it to be good. I knew this was going to be, you know, the sort of B-movie, trashy fun was kind of what I expected. The problem is it's poorly written. Mm -hmm. So even by the standards that I came in with, it's not very good. And yeah, most of that is to the writing. It is, it is tropey and clunky and flows like a river of bricks. The dialogue is really cliched or just like... It's clunky. Yeah, I would agree. Or the, the, I really didn't like Rolo's whole like putting a Z at the end of most things that annoyed me. Well, I was okay. What I was going to bring about that is as it went on, it started to really sit badly with me that. And he was the only one of his type that did that, too. I think. No, he's not. Oh, he's not. He's okay. not. And that's what I was going to bring up is that it's not even like a like a personal speech impediment, which, you know, you could make your own comments about that. Uh -huh. But most members of the tribe speak in, if not with the added Zs, in kind of a broken English. And it's very weird to me that Kira's the only one who speaks perfect English. When she was raised by when them. When she was raised by them. So the, she didn't however, the they, accent. however you choose to have them speak, she should be speaking the same way they are. And the fact that they aren't is First of all, logistically weird and also inherently othering, which I don't love. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad there weren't too many other humanoid characters in this because I was a little worried about that when I was like, oh boy, alien jungle girl, how, how, what are we getting into? But yeah. Yeah. It just, I, it feels both the plot and the dialogue almost feel like they were pulled from a, a, a storage pile of stock plot points and stock dialogue lines. Mm -hmm. Like they, I feel like if you changed the artwork, you could leave the, the dialogue and the plot points identical and just plug it into a, about a half dozen other things. Fair. It, um, the so missing, the missing girl, the mysterious past, the sidekick. Here, the, here's an amulet. Here's the, the, the go find thing. your history. Oh, turns out she's probably some kind of royalty or like, oh, for God's sake. Like, it, <laughs> there was not a single, the only thing that surprised me about this was the fact that it failed to do anything that surprised me. <laughs> Like, Ooh. even cliche-ridden, riddled stuff can often, at the very least, get at one point go like, okay, I didn't call that. Yeah, but, that's fair. But this this doesn't even have that. And I'm like, in, in the first chunk, out of nowhere, somewhere across the galaxy, we get introduced to sort of this 
blue-skinned thief woman who has no connection to anything, but just the fact that she gets introduced means A, she's going to show up later, and B, the world she seems to inhabit gives away, just finding out about it as early as we do, gives away about half of where the plot's going. Mm. Like, why would you drop all that this early on? Yeah, I feel like she did show up too early, given that she didn't really get connected to the other main characters until the very end, and... Which, I, I will say at times I was more intrigued by her story, but I mean, it, we're grading on a low scale here, so. It, yeah, it's, it's rough. But like, I said, like, and I get the idea of introducing someone who's gonna come in later, like, I get that, but the thing was, at the time that happened, Kira hadn't even left the village yet. So we didn't know what kind of world there was out there, mm -hmm. beyond the village, for her to interact with or where she might have come from. And then suddenly we just cut to to this other character. It's like, oh, this is what the rest of the universe is like. It's like, oh, okay, so now there's no sense of discovery. You just showed it to us. Mm. Yeah, good point. It, And I, I, I honestly, I do like the art. I mean, the, yeah, there's the cheesecake factor, and I know that is an issue for you. <laughs> but... It it is uh, it is stylized in a way that for the most part works for me. And when the art doesn't work, it's usually because the writing went weird and the art is trying to flow with a with a badly flowing story. Yeah, that's fair. But and despite it being a lot of it in darkness, because it has that black light feel of like the glowing like sort of blue marking she has or her red hair or just like the contrast with her purple skin i think it works well the darkness so yeah oh and like oh for god's sake i i had almost forgotten about this but i'm flipping through it again when she and rolo like while escaping some somethings or other they <laughs> they end up in this cave and from there, it's just a string of stuff that I'm like, I hate all these tropes. <laughs> so, first off, oh, I've been expecting you. It was foretold or whatever, like, oh, God's sake. You do love your chosen one. I friggin' hate it. I hate it so much. But even beyond that, like, as soon as they, as this entire, like, little colony of creatures give Kira the plot vital information they are then immediately killed because they've served their purpose. And why would you treat them as anything with agency? They they were a plot dump. Plot dumps over. Now they all die. Good job. Oh my god. Exposition. Yeah, it's it's just I don't like to call a certain kind of writing lazy because at this point I am a writer myself and I know the work that goes into it and I know how easy it can be to accidentally stumble into a trope even if you don't mean to. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry, I have a hard time dancing around the word. I keep coming back to lazy. Ooh, yeah, no, I just... It was boring and not well written <laughs> in my book. Yeah. And there's like a... It's like a bonus story at the back, which might as well be called Kira versus the Tentacle Monster. And that <laughs> honestly feels even more fetishy than the rest of the thing. Yeah. It... <clears throat> Forgot about that fetish. 
<laughs> oh, well. I'm sorry for reminding you. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the, the grandpa demon ape for as long as he was around. He was kind of cute little apey. He was decent. He, um, he like seemed to actually have more than one personality trait. <laughs> Which was, she didn't have a lot of personality traits. She, well, as often happens when you slot a character into the... Chosen one. Into the Chosen One and or Hero's Journey narrative, you're bas they're basically being funneled along by the plot as opposed to any decisions they themselves make. And so True. they often are undercharacterized, and Kira is very much that. Suffering from that. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. But, you know, the grandfather, you know, it's like... He cares about her, but he also has this position within the tribe, and he wants to help and appreciates the dangers. Like, oh, there's there's more than one thing going on with him. Hey, look at that. As opposed to Rolo, who's hungry? I think that's his personality trait. Uses the accent a lot of his people? I don't know. He's got, he, he, he is hungry and has the heaviest accent. Yep. <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, that about sums it up. Also, I yawned, which I think also sums it up. You, you, like, the thing is, this is not a densely written book. There are... It took me a while to get you, through it, and I just referred to it as the stupid book for a while. I'm, I'm like, I'm halfway through the stupid book. Oh, I need to finish the stupid book. And it became the stupid book yeah, for a while. It took me an afternoon to read. It wasn't... A great reading experience, but like, yeah, you you had trouble getting through this. I dragged my feet through the mud on this one. <laughs> uh, yep. yep, yep, yep. Which, yeah, I don't know what else there is to say about it. I, like, I will put the caveat that I will always put on anything that continued past the point at which we read it. Maybe it gets better. Mm -hmm. I don't know. If it does, that's great. If you liked it, that's fine. These aren't reasons for you not to like it. These are the reasons why we didn't like it. Yeah, we will say the art wasn't terrible and the black lighting effects. I think we were both in agreement was kind of cool, but... Yeah. And I guess, I don't know if this is like an actual, if they had an actual change in title. Because at the end of it it says, we'll be back with Kira Alien Space Pirate. So, maybe she works better as a space pirate than a jungle girl. Who knows? We will not. <laughs> no, we, we, we won't be finding that out. So, I don't think we've got much else to say. No. Okay, then. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with listener feedback. It is a time of chivalry and adventure. It is a world of magic and legends. It is a story of... Are we there yet? For the 20th time, no. These two. What are we going after again? A dragon. Are you sure? I thought it was a giant. That's the beauty. It hasn't been decided yet. Queen of the Knights is a new production from Azir Voices, where you, the listener, choose what happens. Go to azirvoices.com, that's A-E-S-I-R-Voices.com, for all the details. Ooh, I can't 
Did that cat just breathe fire? So we had a couple of comments on the last episode, which uh, was where we covered Spider-Woman Shifting Gears Baby Talk, which both of us liked pretty well. Yeah, it was quite good, especially for a character I knew nothing about. Yeah, it worked well as a standalone. Yes. Um, so our first comment is from Lizanne Oswald, where she said, Impressive podcast, most impressive. This is Lizanne Oswald. Hi, Liz. Hi, Vera. I always like Spider-Woman from her 70s run and cartoon, as well as her return in The Avengers. BMS has done one thing I'd like to bring her back. The funny part is any Spider-Girl comic, Jessica's son becomes the Spider-Man of the world. Since Peter Parker had to retire, granted... He was really a superhero because his mother was a Spider-Woman. Um, talking about Jessica's son there. But for whatever reason, he dressed like a Parker Spider-Man. He did not, however, have the sting, well, the venom power that Jessica has. I'm curious as to why she didn't use that in her fight with the Skrulls. Would that have caused something in her body to harm her unborn child? She has used it in the past <laughs> incapacitate people, including her fight with Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember it. Coming up, I think it was mainly just because she was in uber stealth mode for a lot of what we saw her doing. But yeah, they didn't really bring up that particular power for her. They lent more on her um, martial arts. Yeah, which was pretty cool with her little belly going flying as she did like cartwheels and stuff. <laughs> um, belly upside down. Um, and then Lizanne Oswald talks a little bit about... Um, Several people that were in the comic and several best friends. Um, a little bit about the scroll versus the Kree. Um, yeah, so a lot about the run of Spider-Woman and who she's taking on. And then she had a second comment um, because we had done this over the holidays um, right before Christmas saying also Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Winter Solstice, and Happy Saturn Day. The Titan who is Zuza's day. So, <clears throat> Well, thank you, Lizanne. Um, and from Tim Price. Hi, Liz and Vera. This is another series I've read on Marvel Unlimited. You are getting a lot of use out of that, aren't you, buddy? Uh, plus Spider-Woman's previous series, which introduced this version of her costume. Ah, the fanboys who were so upset that Jessica was dressed in a somewhat realistic outfit rather than a cross between mm -hmm. spandex and body paint. While Jessica doesn't sport it much in the story, I think it's a great look and really appreciated this trend for superhero heroine costumes. See also Carol's Captain Marvel and Batgirl of Burnside. Yeah, I should show you that costume redesign. Actually, it's not dissimilar from how um, Barbara's kitted out in the Harley Quinn animated show. Okay, cool. Where she's, you know, she's got the utility belt, but and she's got, like, actual boots Mm -hmm. Like, like stomp through the wood boots and yeah, it's those are very practical and make sense. I agree and like I like more practical outfits. Yeah, it's got either armor or you're like you probably need to be covered if you're fighting crime. You don't really want to expose midriff that much. Yeah, in in my mind, the characters for whom it actually makes sense for them to be dressed, for lack of a better term, sexily, are ones for whom. That's actually part, uh, like a deliberate part of their shtick. Mm -hmm. Like it makes, well, it also makes logistical sense given her powers. It makes sense that Rogue is in skin type spandex. Mm -hmm. It makes sense that the White Queen. Yeah, I was gonna say for Emma Frost. Yeah, it, it makes, makes sense, sense that Emma Frost is in a corset and high heels. Mm -hmm. That makes total sense. But a lot of these characters, like especially the ones who are martial artists, like just 
No. You need to be in something comfortable, yeah. And yeah, fanboys do have a history of throwing absolute fits about that. Although, that said, I'm going to... I'll have something to say about her old costume in a minute. I might have something to show you on that. Anyways, uh, Tim continues. The story here was so much fun. I have a lot of sympathy for very pregnant Jess struggling with being active. My wife was a reporter at a small newspaper, still covering police and fire stories when she was eight months pregnant with the twins. Oh, damn. <laughs> wow, man. She finally backed off when climbing hills got her winded. In case you're wondering, my wife is, in her own words, a tough bird. I like that. That's, that seems like a very fair assessment. I really love the story being die hard with a pregnant woman. Just as capable as any hero, very powerful, smart, and saving the day. The artwork is clean and energetic. A style I'm seeing a lot from Marvel lately, so that's a win. Um... It's on my to-reread list, and when I get through my to-read list, and I think you know how long that is. Uh, let's see. I've also read the 2014 Katana series by Anne uh, Nascenti, and eh, it was okay, but I had some problems with it. But also finished the 2019 Black Cat series. Now that was fun. Basically heist stories. Ooh, I do like a good heist. Mm. One after the other. Her supporting cast is great. Solid artwork. Had a blast. We'll be reading the follow-up 2020 series soonish. Happy New Year, my punchers. Thank you very much, Tim. Um, so I, I like I can't resist sharing this with you. So Spider Woman's uh, original costume was kind of um, uh, just just classic, you know, tight spandex sort of look. I think the point at which um, the Marvel really backed the hell off of it was there was a controversy um, over a cover, a Spider-Woman cover, drawn by an artist by the name of Milo Manera. Oh, jeez. It looks like she's wearing, like, basically nothing. Yes. Now, technically, she's covered, but... but I feel like but I've seen that covered before, but yeah. It's beyond skin tight. And, like, while I'm not going to defend the piece of art... I do have to wonder what the hell Marvel thought they were going to get hiring Milo Manera, who is uh, a European erotica artist. That's what he does. What did they think he was going to draw? And I think even at that point, they might have started to move away from that outfit. But after that, I think they walked away from it really, really quick. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fair. Uh so, uh, we, we know what we're going to be doing next month. We are going to be taking a look at Cleopatra in space. And hopefully, fingers crossed, if we can get the logistics nailed down, we will have a guest on that, which we haven't had for a long time. Yeah. We tried to, we tried to rope a guest for uh, death, the high cost of living, but that never panned out. No. Oh, well. Now, anyways, uh, that'll wrap it up for this one, folks. Um... Like I said, we actually knew what we're doing next month, so if you want to catch, you want to get ahead of it and read it before we get to it, you actually could do that this time. Um, but that'll be it for right now. So, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and is presented on the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Comments can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com and you can support the network by finding Fire & Water Podcast Network on Patreon. This particular show enjoys support from Carolyn and Brian Linton. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom, and our theme music is by Erica Dreisbach.
Thanks again for listening.